0: Hello, and welcome to Fertility in Focus, a podcast dedicated to exploring the complex and emotional journey of fertility. I'm your host, Carolyn Dubé, and I am thrilled to share this space with you. Whether you're actively trying to conceive, considering your options, or simply interested in learning about fertility, we're here to offer insight, inspiration, and hope. Each week, we'll feature interviews with leading fertility experts, and real stories from people who have experienced the highs and lows of building a family of their dreams. So let's dive in and bring Fertility into Focus. Welcome back to an, another episode of Fertility in Focus. I'm your host, Carolyn Dubey and I am so excited today to bring a vocal advocate and a voice of fertility that is often unheard, it is more underrepresented. Keith Buse. Keith came into the Fertility Matters Canada family a few years ago. We got talking about some work we were doing and he and his wife uh, were connected to me through their fertility journey. And Keith recently reached out to us because he was interested in getting Involved in giving back to the fertility community after their experience. So, Keith, I am really thankful and grateful that you did make that reach out over the Christmas holidays and that you're here today. So, welcome.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So, Keith, let's tell our listeners about you and about your fertility journey uh, so we can set the stage for the conversation we're going to have today.
1: Sure. We were, um, you know, we were your normal every uh, every family, or, or or so we thought. You know, we, my wife and I, uh, Amanda, we um, we got married and we started talking about having children in 2017, when the rest of our group of early 30 um, young professional friends all were having the same conversation and all were were going through the same journey. We tried to have children unsuccessfully for about a year and a half before we, um, before our family doctor recommended we see a fertility specialist. So in 2019, we did five rounds of IUI locally uh, here in Newfoundland. We live. Uh, on the outskirts of, of Saint John's, um, we are both originally from Nova Scotia, uh, but we've been in Newfoundland for 15 plus years. That is our home. That's where we, that's where we we raise our family. That's where we're going to stay for for a long time. In Newfoundland, locally, we don't have access to um, to IVF treatment. So we, uh, with our fertility specialists, who are unbelievable in Newfoundland. I must say we we have some fantastic fertility doctors here, and um, they recommended we look at IVF through Halifax or Ottawa or Calgary or you know one of the one of the Canadian clinics. We did two rounds of IVF in 2020 through AART in Halifax, both were unsuccessful, um, and we started. Um, we then started talking about um, traveling abroad for, uh, for IBM. After our second failed IVF, our IVFs in 2020 were both through pretty peak periods of um, of COVID at the time, uh, and I've talked to you know I've talked to a number of people, men especially who who, who were dealing with uh, infertility struggles through that COVID period, and and just talk about how something that's so difficult had another layer of complexity added added onto it. Um, so uh, we went to Halifax twice. Uh, we talked to our fertility specialist in Halifax and he recommended, uh, he recommended egg donation. We researched egg donation through Ottawa. We researched egg donation through, um, through a number of clinics in the U.S. We looked at Russia. We looked at Greece. We were, you know, we were, we were looking all over the place. We had friends of ours, uh, who we know personally who shared a similar, uh, who shared a similar journey. Um, they now have, twins through a an IVF clinic in Prague Czech Republic we had a meeting with that clinic Uh, I think we were naturally drawn to that clinic because we had um, we knew people with a personal experience with that clinic Uh, we went to um, we went to that clinic in 2021 and our twins Theo and Sadie were born in May of 2022 and here we are
0: incredible so for our listeners I want to unpack a couple of things. So your fertility journey started because of uh, Amanda actually has an issue with her fertility. It's not male infertility. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. We were originally diagnosed uh, what they reference as unexplained infertility. Um, the more tests we got done, the more processes we went through, the more um, the more failed attempts um, at IUI and IVF we went through. We eventually found out that we needed to uh, that we needed to look at at donor egg.
0: Keith and Amanda live in Newfoundland, so it's a Canadian province, and there is a fertility clinic there with incredible f- fertility physicians. The challenge is that the area of the province that you live on is an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean.
1: When we speak of Newfoundland, what we what we tell people is that we are a rock in the uh, in the middle of the North Atlantic, and that's not that's not actually true. We're not in the middle of the North Atlantic, but we are um, we are detached from the rest of the uh, from the rest of the
0: country. Exactly, and you can't do IVF at your fertility clinic. So you can do with sometimes great success IUI at that clinic. However, what it means even for Keith and Amanda and other people in Newfoundland, if you need to do more intensive fertility treatment, or if you need different specialties, quite often you have to fly off of your Island to another area of Canada or in your, which you did and then, and then go internationally. So I just wanted to set that stage because access to fertility care and in all its forms, is not readily accessible to people, not only in Atlantic Canada, but especially in Newfoundland. Quite often, your trips to a fertility clinic end up uh, requiring at least one airplane ride.
1: Yeah, yeah, we were... We were lucky enough um, that we were able to travel to Halifax. Halifax is the closest IVF clinic to us, um, which is a two-hour flight away. We explored options in Ottawa and Calgary, which would have been um, which would have been uh, slightly more expensive from a flight standpoint. Um, the main reason we chose Halifax is because we are both from Nova Scotia originally, um, but from a work standpoint, uh, Amanda is a lawyer. I'm a real estate developer. Having the ability to stay close to to our time zone was important for us. Um, When we talked about some of the positives of our IVF journey, well, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to travel and work and go through IVF and have some semblance of normalcy you know we weren't we weren't sitting we weren't sitting in a, in a hotel room or an airbnb from nine to five just constantly focused on that infertility journey um we had the ability to immerse ourselves in work were you there completely you know you weren't because and uh, because your treatments were always top of mind but at least it could be a distraction for for a couple hours during the day
0: yeah you have you have a really good point there, there are so many Patients really were able to benefit through COVID, uh, especially once things got you know more settled in the months after March 2020, um, because work from home did provide a bit more flexibility in getting to appointments. A lot of physicians were able to set up initial assessments via Zoom call. You didn't have to be at the clinic in another province or another state or another country. Um, you could actually do some of those initial things virtually, which alleviated a lot of those initial uh, pieces. So Keith, and this is where we're going to get to the meat of it, because Keith is here to talk about the male perspective, supporting someone through a fertility journey from a male perspective. When when Keith and I spoke early in this year, Keith, you said something to me that really hit, that really struck me. And it was talking about your friends group and the men in your life Once you opened up the conversations with them, you were finding out, oh my gosh, other people within my life actually have struggled too. And I had no idea. And it really got me thinking about I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about, you know, getting into how do men support not only their partners, but their friends or other people, their family members who are also men. There is an awkwardness, especially if it's not your lived experience. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's first start with, you know, from your perspective as a man, what is the fertility journey?
1: I think, I think the first thing to recognize is that everybody's, you know, every female's, every male's fertility journey is, is different. Um, You know, they're they're all intertwined, but no two really are, um, no two really are the same. Um, We were five years through the process and for the first I say you know year and a half before we started uh before we started going to the clinic in st. John's where it was just um you know it was a year and a half of of frustration um that was really just shared between Amanda and I. Um it wasn't until we got I'll say two plus years into into our fertility journey that I started talking about it, that Amanda started talking about it more there's a lot of stigma around sports but for whatever reason that was a very easy spot to open up and the more the more I opened up the more other people would talk about oh my brother oh my friend oh myself the more I talked about it in those environments the more I recognized that uh, yes it it is all-consuming it is painful it is frustrating it is it is a lot of things Um, but it affects a lot of people and, and it's not just my friend or my cousin you know so it, it it reaches it reaches far deeper into our society than um than what we want to you know what we want to realize um so that that to me was the big takeaway from it the more i the more i talked about it, the more i communicated about our journey it didn't make it easier uh, nothing you know nothing makes this this journey easy but so many of the people that you talk to who've been through this journey, it's frustrating, it's painful, it's fearful, but they get to where, you know, they, they get to experience what they want to, what they ultimately want to experience. Um, and, and when you're when you're dealing with it alone, that that's never your you know, that's never your thought.
0: I'm so glad you talked about this because the support network is so important. And unless you're open about it, Um, or at least willing to say, seek uh, an online support group, for example, where you can at least sit with other people who are experiencing this, quite often it is very lonely when everybody around you seems to not understand. Do you find that, or did you find that once you opened up to people, did your relationships change? Were they more apt to check in on you? Did some people, were they more standoffish? Did you start to notice that you weren't as invited to as many things? I'd love to know sort of from your perspective and Amanda's perspective, you know, how did relationships change once you started opening up?
1: Anybody, anybody who goes through, um, through the fertility struggle there, there is a natural, um, inclination to be drawn to other people who, you know, have, have gone through it. That, that was certainly our experience. Um, we have friends currently who are who are going through it and I know that I would send messages that I I, I wouldn't have sent if I was you know if, if we hadn't gone through the infertility struggle I would not have sent messages to 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 this friend that I that I have sent I, I know that 100 um it it allowed me to, to to nurture relationships that wouldn't naturally have nurtured long um so, that that certainly uh that certainly progressed relationships forward i wouldn't say we had any we had any relationships that really regressed um the i think the the, the toughest thing it, we've got a very close-knit friend group. So everybody knew what we were going through. Everybody, um, everybody was emotionally invested in any time they knew, uh, we had a, a pregnancy test. You know, they were, they were, they were, they were very, um, they were very close to us. And I, I know that we were very close to their, to their heart. Um, talking to some of those guys specifically, after it, um, the the biggest the biggest comment the biggest takeaway was, we didn't know what to say. You know, like do do you bring it up? Um, and speaking to a number of of men after the fact who've been through this, the the common theme in so much of it is is communication. Communication communication normalizes what you think is what you think is not normal. You think you're the only one going through this. The more it's talked about, the more you recognize that that this affects so many people. So for, for friends of people going through infertility, I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's okay to say, you know, how, how are you and Amanda doing with, with everything? You know, um, it's, if you have kids, We love your kids. People always, people always worried. um, Pregnancy announcements are a big, big trigger for people who are going through, who are going through IVF. Um, If you have close friends going through IVF and I I can't speak for everyone, I can only speak from my own perspective. Pregnancy announcements were a big trigger for, uh, for me. My close friends' pregnancy announcements were never, We're never a trigger. You know, we that was always a very joyous moment in our uh, in our life. Um, But if you if you have somebody, if you have a friend who is experiencing infertility, the best thing you can do is is ask the question, you know, how how are you and Amanda doing with everything? How are you and your partner doing with everything? The reality is 95 percent of the days that's going to open up a conversation That's probably going to bring you closer in your own personal relationship. Some, there's going to be days where they're going to, they're going to say, you know what? I don't want to talk about it. And that's fine. That, that's not a negative. That doesn't speak to, that doesn't speak to your relationship. What that speaks to is the kind of day that that, the kind of day that person is having. What's most likely going to happen from that is that they're going to reach out to you in a day or two days and say, listen, really appreciate you asking the question. We'll talk about it now, you know, that, 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 that conversation will engage. It may not engage on the day you ask a question, but they're going to appreciate you reaching out. And that hopefully, you know, hopefully helps your relationship flurry as, you know, as, as friends, uh, you know, as a friend group, as, 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 as an organization, whatever, you know, whatever. Whatever group setting you find yourself in, that should uh, that should allow both of you to you know to to nourish to nour- to nourish whatever relationship you, you find yourself in.
0: Thank you for talking about that. Um, we hear a lot on you know in my personal relationships, in in the work that we do here at FMC by hearing stories from people who have gone through it like you. That friend group, so people who aren't going through it when they know that someone is struggling, um, whether they're in an active treatment cycle or, or just, or haven't even gotten to a clinic yet, it's often that they don't know what to say and they don't know, they don't want to offend them. They don't want to make them upset. And I think sometimes, especially if you don't have a lived experience, just saying, listen, um, especially when, you know, you know, (laughs) if you know that they're struggling, just saying, I, I, I don't know what you're going through. I haven't lived that, but know that I'm here for you. Uh, Maybe that's more something that that a female would say to her girlfriend, cousin, group, sister, or something like that, because people do say that it's the friends or the family that say, you know, we ended up, we didn't know how to bring it up. We didn't, we wanted to, but we're not sure. And so I think if you're comfortable being vulnerable and being open with your group of, Guy friends, parents, whatever that colleagues, just opening it up and saying, listen, this is something we're dealing with. Let them know your level of comfort, talking about it. And then people can check in and just say, hey, thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. Let's go for a drink. Let's go to the gym. Let's go watch a hockey game. Even just, would you agree, just even just sitting with someone when you're in the depths of it, whether or not you're talking about it, just being around people who know what you're going through. And feel like that either, you don't have to talk about it, but they're there to support you. The uncomfort
1: of of asking a question, the un, the uncomfort feeling of initially broaching the conversation, the the benefits that the other person will receive should be your your driving factor. It, it's 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 going to be uncomfortable and. Uh, you know, uh, m- m- my friend, they wouldn't reach out a lot, but but when they did, I shouldn't say they wouldn't reach out a lot. They were they were heavily invested in in, yeah, in yeah. our journey, um, but it wasn't a you know every time we got together. Hey, listen, right. how's everything going, with you and Amanda? But the, the the times that it happened, and it didn't always lead to a half an hour talk or, or over a drink, but it made us feel amazingly. I'll say cared for, you know, like Mm -hmm. knowing that you're in people's thoughts and knowing that, knowing that other people are emotionally invested in your journey is a very, you know, is a very important thing for parents, for parents, even, um, I think the biggest thing, and you and I talked about this when, when, when we initially had the conversation, the biggest problem with, with, fertility struggles and infertility in Canada is that nobody wants to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It, It's not, it's not out there. Um, You know, if, so if, if, if you're a mother with a, a daughter or a son experiencing infertility, it's it's, it's not shameful. The, the greatest thing you can do to move this forward um, is if you're, if you're sitting with your friends over coffee, you know, you don't have to say, oh, by the way, my, my daughter, uh, whatever her name may be, is experiencing infertility and these are all of her issues and this is what she's going through. If you're sitting around with a group of your friends, you can reference that, you know, Jesus, a a family member of mine is, is experiencing infertility. What you're most likely going to find is that you're not you're not gonna be the only one around that table who's who's going through it. Everybody is going to know somebody. This, this, this touches so many people in in Canada and it's not talked about it's not on the political ra- it is on the political radar but it's not on the political radar at the level it's, it needs to be um so you know you you're not you're not exposing your daughter or your son's shameful secret what you're doing is helping move us forward as uh, as a country, so we can get to a point where um, you know where we've got a national policy for fertility issues, where we've got uh, you know where we've got funding for, for fertility issues. So you know, it, if if you're somebody who doesn't know what to say, saying something is the most important step you can you can take. say, you know saying nothing. Leaves us where we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, we've, we've progressed a lot as a country. Infertility struggles really haven't progressed a lot. I don't, I don't think, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways for me was the importance of online groups. You know, we don't have to, we don't have, you know, I don't need to put my hand up and say, I've struggled with infertility. Is anybody else around? Do you want to grab a coffee? Can we, you know, can we start a support group? Those support groups already exist. You know, they're online, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're, you know, those support groups are easy to find. And and what you find is you're getting perspectives from the United States, you're getting perspectives from Europe, you're realizing that this is this is far bigger, you know, this is far bigger than you. And and you're not the only one going through this. There, there's a huge percentage of the population that, that is, that is experiencing. This.
0: this is a beautiful segue. So Keith, you're right. Like this infertility in Canada or people who will need access to fertility care, it impacts one in six Canadians. So that is when you think about your group of friends, for example, if there's 10 people in a group of friends, there's a high probability that I guess it's 1.5 of you Um, (laughs) more than more than one of you more than one of you experiencing it. That's right. And so I also love that you talked about parents. So if you are a parent of, and your child and their partner are struggling, it's okay to check in. It's okay to, to get support yourself. And it's okay to not necessarily always know the right words. Just let people know that whether or not you understand them or not, or or understand the experience or not, I am here, reach out, let me know if uh, I'm here, let's go and do something. And I think when we start to elevate the awareness, because you're right, we need more people in this country, we need more people globally, being more open about their experience. And if that's your comfort level, because it's not going to be everybody's comfort level. And maybe if you're in the thick of it, you're not talking about it and you're not being public or more public uh, about your experience. But maybe like you and Amanda, on the other side of your fertility journey, you're like, I am ready to give back to the community. I am going to use my voice to help support other people who came before me, who are coming up after me, because this thing is not going away. This is a disease People need access to care on so many levels. And we need to continue to, yes, advocate, advocate governments to publicly fund this disease of the reproductive tract in Canada where we have universal health care. We have to educate employers about inclusive family and fertility benefits for employees to help them thrive in the workplace we have to look at the mental health side and the significant impact it has not only as on someone diagnosed but on the couple and how this impacts the mental health of all kinds of people within their social circles it's not just about one person it's about a family a friend group and co-workers so we need to have more people mm-hmm. like you keith Sharing, talking, advocating, getting involved, donating to charities like Fertility Matters Canada. We provide online support groups. So, making sure that people know that the resources are out there for pe- people to connect into so that they feel less alone and that they feel like their journey, they're not the only one that have ever walked this path and it can make it so much easier. You know, it doesn't mean. You're going to feel okay every day, but it certainly does help alleviate the, those feelings of desperation or frustration or anger or sadness um, when you're really, really in the thick of the unknown.
1: When you're in it, yeah, because it's, it, it is... The best descriptor i've I've been able to find is is all consuming you know when you are in the middle of it, and you know, I was in the middle of it for for a lot of years and and some days were good you know it was it was always in the back of your mind. never ever, ever leaves your mind you would have some days where you would be where you'd be busy at work and it was it it was it was thought about minimally you would have other days where you know I would I would have certain certain triggers you know I would be having I would be having a a normal day um, and I'd see one of these one of these baby on board uh, signs in the back of a car and uh, you know I'd turn the truck around and I, I would just go home I couldn't I couldn't Physically couldn't spend any time in the office or on a job site that day. And those things, those things happen to a huge, you know, to a huge number of people, men and women, men and women alike. There were two main, two main common threats. The first was was communication. The more, the more open their lines of communication were um, with their partners, you know, because nobody goes through this. Nobody goes through this alone. This is your your family is going through it. Your friends are going through it. Yourself and your partner are going through it. So the more, the more, uh, and, and not everybody you know, not everybody is open. But the more open you can be with your partner, the more open you can be with your friends, the more open you can be with your parents. For us, anyway, the easier it got, and the more men I talked to, the more they would communicate. Uh, the more they would communicate to whatever level of comfort they they were comfortable with. Um, the, I guess the easier it's not easy. There's, there's there's nothing about this that is easy. But the the easier it made their um, their day, I guess. And then the you know the, the the other big takeaway when you're in the midst of this is this. This, this is not a short journey. Like it's, you don't hear of many people who who, who struggle with infertility um, and then they're successful on their first their first IUI. You know that that's. I, I'm sure it happens. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I don't know the. I don't know the statistics behind it. I, I'm very sure that it happens. But the reality is, for most of us, it is a multi. Um, it's a multi-year journey. And, um, you know, three years, five years, eight years, however many years you are you are going through this, that is, that is a very long time. That is a, you know, that's a, that's a significant percentage of your life. So, you know, infertility becomes a, um, whether, whether you make it or not, it becomes a defining factor of, of your life. And the more men I talk to who have been through it, the more they spoke about, you need to find the things that bring you that bring you joy. Whether it's if you've got you know if you've got a, a skate with friend group two nights a week, don't don't stop doing that. Like that that will that will ground you. That that will bring that will bring some sense of normalcy in a very very abnormal world um if the gym is your thing do that um date night was a was a big one that came up in in conversation a lot if thursday night is your date night with yourself and your wife or your partner don't don't stop that there's going to be there's going to be some thursday nights that that suck but you will you will take you know Maybe you're going out and you're not talking about infertility. You're just you're just being normal. Um, maybe one of you has a tough day and you need to go out and talk about your fertility journey. Um, but but keeping those things, keeping those scheduled things, um, seem to be a common theme that help people progress through their journey.
0: It's exhausting because for many people, by the time they actually get to the point of needing treatment. They've already been trying for a minimum of a year, most often, uh, because that's what society tells us to do. And by the time they get in to see their clinician, it's six months after that. So this is a multi-year thing. So I love your advice to kind of keep your, do the things that bring you joy, communicate, and continue to talk and find the people uh, with common ground because, and, and if you have the space and if it's within your wheel to advocate, raise awareness, share your experience and share your story that will help all people who need this care, who are in the thick of it. Um, and it will certainly elevate the awareness of what this actually looks like, um, for thousands and thousands and thousands of people who live in this country and millions of people around the globe, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I remember, you know, going, going through the the journey, the struggle, whatever, whatever, you know, however we want to, however we want to frame it, however we want to, you know, however we want to reference it. For me, I'm 39 now, the, the twins were born in May, I was 38 when they were born. One of You know, I don't know why, but one of one of my big concerns was my age when the twins were born. And I would have I would have a calendar referenced where, uh, okay, at the end of this month, um, if we do get pregnant, well, then I'm I'm a 36 year old father when my child is born. Lost another year. I'm a 37 year old father when my child. And that was. I don't know why. I, I assume it happens to a lot of men of certain age. I talked to men that didn't that didn't think about it at all. But I talked to men that that for whatever you know, for whatever reason, you know, what's what's the right age to become a mother or a father? At the end of the day, whether you're 33, you're 38, you're 45, um, you're going to be an amazing. You're going to be an amazing parent. The age is irrelevant. But but I was I was so so hung up on it um and you know perspective is a wonderful thing you you look back on it now and it's not uh, i've got two beautiful children i've got a daughter and a son it's it's not anything that ever crosses my mind now but it would ruin days and months of my of my life thinking about it
0: i appreciate your candor and your openness and your experience so much. And so many listeners are going to take so many valuable lessons from this conversation. And I am sure that more people will now be able to open up or feel more comfortable opening up or feel more comfortable knowing that they're going to feel uncomfortable in the conversation. And that's okay.
1: The reality is, given the numbers, everybody has a friend who's going through it whether they know it or not so if you you know if you do have a friend who's going through it talking about it in your girl group or your guys group is 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 extremely you may not think it's a big you may not think it's a big it's a big thing or it's a powerful statement um it is a ridiculously powerful tool um to move the infertility struggle in Canada forward it, the reality is our political system is set up in such a way that um you know the, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease um the you know the, the fertility group um the fertility group again which touches everybody we are we are not allowed organization our, our our politicians you know they know about us they know about fertility week but we're not we're not top of mind. and if we think about it from a different perspective We know that infertility touches the House of Commons. We know that infertility touches Parliament Hill. You know, we're not loud. Canada's not talking about it. The more we normalize it, the more we talk about it, the easier it is for these politicians to make the tough decisions. It's not, you know, it's not an easy job. There's only so many funding dollars to go around with with healthcare and infrastructure and all these, you know, all these different um, all these different requirements that that are very difficult to administer in a country as 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 large as Canada. Um, but if infertility touches one in six, the politicians on Parliament Hill need to talk about it. You know, it's it's. Without talking about it, we're not going to move forward. You know whether whether you're touched by it directly or indirectly. The biggest thing you can do um, is is discuss it, is is talk about it. That 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 is the hardest step.
0: Thank you so much. You've hit on so many key pieces of the fertility conversation. Really, thank you for dry, shining a light on the male perspective. How to support people. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. And I think you hit it home with, you have to talk about it. You have to advocate. You have to share your story Uh, because in order for us to make any changes in this country and support more people so that they are publicly funded for this disease that they have, we need to uh, ensure that we are the squeaky wheel and we need to have more people like you, like Amanda, joining forces with us and other advocacy groups across the country to ensure that our stories, the patient stories, the real life realities are are shared. So Keith, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your time. Uh, Please thank Amanda for me because this is also her journey. Um, We really, really appreciate it. Uh, And I'm really looking forward to you and I and so many more Canadians working together closely over 2023 and beyond to advocate for better access, not only in Newfoundland, where you are, but across the country.
1: I agree. And uh, I will certainly thank uh, Amanda. She did significantly more work on uh, in, in our journey um, than, uh, than I did. And Carolyn, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate everything you do.
0: Thank you. And for all of our listeners, thanks for being here. Don't forget to like and subscribe to fertility and focus. We are so happy to be able to bring this podcast to you.